Welcome back, Rabbi Dr. Eliezer Brutt. What a pleasure to see you. I think this is the first time we're meeting since we, we recorded the omission of Hanukkah. And we are here to continue discussing the manuscripts of Rishayim. We were up to the Chida, I believe, and you'll give a recap. He was a primary figure in triggering this publication of manuscripts and how they came available to the Torah audience. But before we begin that, I have to mention again that all these episodes have been sponsored by, by an anonymous donor in memory of Moshe Chaim ben Yitzchak David. We thank him for that. And a couple of important announcements. Meseches Adarim is coming to an end. We have two important episodes we would like to record. One is an episode about the origins of Ataras Nadarim and Kol Nidre, relevant to Nadarim. Another one is a episode about Meseches Nazir, this farm available for Meseches Nazir. I want to Again, ask anybody, please, who would like to be involved in sponsoring and dedicating these shows, these episodes, these podcasts, please be in touch with me. The previous episode, the Hanukkah Omission, and the Nadarim episode, each of them got close to 10,000 views. So this is a great opportunity to support the work we do, Rabbi Brat, and the All Torah platform. And we appreciate that greatly. So, Rabbi Brat. I'm sure you want to begin with a recap of where we are and where we're heading. Just one small teaser. I was told that for those who are familiar with the Birchas Kayanim at the Kaisal and Chalamayr, my brat is going to give us an exclusive insight into the origins of that minig based on what we're going to discuss today. My brat, how are you today? Okay, Baruch Hashem. Very good. Okay, so basically in the four episodes of season two of Reb Chaim, we've been discussing how Ushainim come to light, the, the people start publishing them and using them, and we've showed that many, many G'daylim were involved with the publishing and of the using of them through, from when they started. We started trying to give some type of timeline from the early 1700s, it starts trickling in and gets stronger in the 1780s. By the 1780s, it gets a little stronger. Once you hit the 1800s, much stronger. And big Dalim are using it, doing it, uh, all involved with it, embracing it, so to speak. Till we get to the Mishnah Brewer and then to our Reb Chaim Kenievsky, who fully, fully embraces it. Um, that's what we discussed. And we ended off discussing how this, we're trying to figure out how this happens. It, it's not just that it gets published, how they're aware of manuscripts. So I suggested at the end was a Yid Chida, famous, dies in 1806 who traveled all over Europe. We discussed a little bit about his travels. He he saw in all different collections, private libraries, manuscripts, took notes, saw everything, wrote about it, was a massive expert in Svarim, not only a, a tremendous talent Chacham. And through this, people start hearing more about it. Um, he gives us comments, people he was involved with are involved with this. And we discussed it a little bit. Obviously, there's much more to discuss, but we just, um, we gave sort of a smorgasbord, a quick thing about it, and that's what we're going to do today also continuing with this to get to the, um, the closer to the conclusion of what the purpose of all this is in the long run and how it relates even more with Rebchaim Kanievsky. So just to mention briefly is that if you look back um, there's, the Chida wrote this book, we mentioned already a bunch of times, it's called Shem Gdailim, where he talks about Gdailim, about Svarim, manuscripts that he's seen. So there was an earlier work What's called uh, uh, the first bibliographical collection of the Jewish svarim out there was called Sifse Yishanim from a Yid Rabshavsi Bas, 
It's published in 1680. Now, Rosh is world famous because he's the author of the Sifsi Chachamim on Rashi. So he was into the business of selling svarim. He create he put out a book, which listed all the svarim available at the time by 1680, and including even some manuscripts. Some he saw, some he didn't see, he heard about. Anyway, when you look through it carefully, you'll see something which also relates to our whole story, is that svarim on shas of rishonim and on rishonim alacha is very very little. There's a lot of svarim relatively, but on this is very little, and that's what part of our story that we've been telling, in the first four episodes is how this happens. It takes time, and it's still happening even in our generation today, weekly, different discoveries are happening. Okay, now, Lomashal, not only the Chida, other Gedalim of his time, I, re- I just recently came across, there's a Yid Rabbi Yehuda Najar, which we will get to talking about him in a different episode relating to Rechaim Kanievsky, a contemporary of the Chida, corresponded with him, and he wrote a lot of interesting svarim. He also had manuscripts of svarim, so it was around, and that's what I also mentioned in a previous episode. It was around, it was floating around, and okay. Now the question is, how does it start getting out there to more to the public, so to speak? So it used to be that there was something before the internet, and before all different methods of how svarim get out there, um, which is an interesting way of how things get out there. You mean there was something before the Svarim blog? Yep, there, yep, there was. It's interesting. How do people find out about Svarim? So, so basically like this. There was something called... So Svarim, people would... There was journals started coming out. Newspapers would come out. And they would have advertisements. Now, in different journals, people would publish. I found the work in a, in a different place, and here's a few pages, and maybe you want to fund the rest, and sometimes they would get funding, sometimes they would end up publishing whole safer. This is all starting um, in, as the concept of journals and newspapers became more and more. Fast forward to 1856, one of the early newspapers, the Hamagid, had, if you go through it, and many of these issues are available online, um, you could see advertisements for Svarim, book reviews and excerpts from Sfarim that are about to come out. And the G'daylim and everyone who was reading the newspapers would hear about Sfarim. And until today, um, even you you could see um, anyone opens up their local, their weekly Mishpacha or Ami magazine, you'll see advertisements. Artscroll has a beautiful advertisement usually of what they're about to put out and some of the other companies do, especially in certain weeks of the year, they, they plaster it. But that's the way people find out about things, advertisement. Now, I would like to talk about one such advertisement. I'm sure you probably could do an episode on newspapers and probably bring all the proofs that Gdolin read certain newspapers, right? With a, I'm sure you probably could talk about that a lot, right? Unbelievable. I didn't even tell you what I'm about to speak about in a second. You'll hear what I'm about to say. Very funny. It's very funny that you mentioned such a thing. This was not planned at all, so I'm impressed. Okay, um, I promise this was not planned. Okay, well, th- I'm about to tell a very short story. It's about two, three minutes, but it's very cute. I personally have a lot of enough from this story. Okay, the story goes like this. We're talking about advertisements. So basically, in January 7th of 1869, an issue of the Halavanoi newspaper comes out. And in there, there's an announcement about a new sefer that was recently published from manuscript for the first time. What was the sefer? The Ritva Masechnes Nida, and the Ritva's work, Sefer Zikarn, which is his defense for the Ramban's attacks on the Rambam in Chumash. So the Ritva defends the Rambam, which is its own interesting Nukuda Nafrenath. 
Now, the Sefer Zikarin comes out, and someone, Zalman Stern, writes a comment with this Chibur dealing with the famous Rambam about Karbonis, and the Ramban about it, and he says some Ha'ara, and it says, so this is the first page in the particular newspaper. Um, okay, here is a picture, it got cut off the part, but this is the newspaper, here is the advertisement, and then here is the, the whole Ha'ara. Okay, anyway... Less than a month later, in the February 11th issue of this newspaper, the Natsiv writes a lengthy response to Stern's comment. It's a beautiful essay of the Natsiv related to the Karbanis. Okay, and the Natsiv, this this uh, piece of tire of the Natsiv is published a few years back in the a new version of the Meshav Dover that came out, which has a whole bunch of new stuff of the Natsiv. Now, I notice when I'm looking at this chuva, there's a dot, dot, dot in the beginning, and it doesn't tell you exactly where this chuva is coming, where this piece of tire is coming from. I get very, very curious. I start looking and I discover that it's from the newspaper Halavana. Now, it's well known. I have documented this a lot. The Natsiv um, submitted many articles and haaras and things in newspapers, and he read many newspapers. Now, in recent years, there's been a controversy going back. What about reading newspapers on Shabbos? And what did the Natsiv do about reading newspapers on Shabbos? Interestingly enough, it's been claimed that the Natsiv did not read newspapers on Shabbos, although some said that he did. They're not reliable. Anyway, when one goes back to this issue in the newspaper, Halavanin, where he writes this comment about the newspaper, about the Sefer Zikarin and Karbanis, he says as follows, it came from Vilna, Shabbos HaKadosh, Shnei Ali Levanoin from this and this year, the Karasi Lashabas Oinig. And I read your thing about what you said about the Sefer Zikar and Ritva. Here we have black and white, and it's saying we call Amvedu that he read the newspaper on Shabbos. Anyway, I don't really think that there's more um, better proof than this. I, I found this myself, but then I later on discovered that Professor Lyman had already made this discovery himself early a few years back. Anyway, bottom line is. This is how they would know about things through newspaper articles. That's how they would hear about things. Obviously, Rabbi Dr. Brad is not using his rabbinic title to paskin about reading newspapers and what the Nitzvah read. Just fascinating to know that he picked up a newspaper, which obviously had all kinds of things in it, and read it on Shabbos. Correct. But as I as I, I have documented a lot about this, and some of these articles already are available in the Natsivs, on a whole series about this, especially also relating with newspapers, the Natsiv has a particular chuva where he specifically is makele about reading newspapers. Now, the question will obviously be, what is the newspapers that he's referring to? What are the newspapers that are doesn't mean everything in the newspapers. You know, he could be reading the Tyra that apart. This piece is a piece of Tyra. So it's published in the newspaper. Okay, big deal. So how far could you go into it? But there's obviously the Sugya of Shtari Hadiyaitis and everything relating to this is its own very, very big Sugya. A lot has been written about it and a lot has been discussed. But sadly, a lot has been censored about the Natsiv Shita about it, where he has written Halachic Tshuva about this. But okay, we're not going to go into this right now. Anyway, this is a tangent, but the point of this tangent was to show that newspaper articles was where people would print, print pieces and also how people would hear about it. But now what gets more important, out, the next step of the story is, where did this manuscript come from? So it came from a private collection of a Yid who's, who's known as Shin Zayin. Ches Hay was his Rosh Tevis, and that's how you always will um, find him um, quoted in various um, literature. Um, now, the question is, who is this Who is this um, person with, the, with this, 
with these initials. Yeah. Where would somebody who doesn't frequent the same books and articles that you do may have seen these initials? Uh, so I'm, I'm going to say shortly. I'm going to that, that that's why uh, in one second we're going to see exactly what it is. So first, the initials are to his name is Shlomo Zalman Chaim Halberstam. Okay. Who is he? he? He's born in 1832 and, and he dies in 1900. Seems to have been a very wealthy businessman, very learned, um, a very, and, he, and one of the things is he collected Svarim. He was a machinistic Svarim collector. Now, there are other people that are Svarim collectors, but he seems to have known his collection very well, his manuscripts. And one of the interesting things about him is that he was very nice to people. He would lend out manuscripts even. People needed they heard that he had a manuscript, and now these manuscripts, they went for a lot of money even in those days. And he would lend them to them to publish and everything like that. Just as an example, Chafetz Chaim's son, who we've quoted numerous times in his book about his father, he talks about, why aren't there Rishonim on Kachim? Whatever happened to them? So he says he wrote a letter to who? To Rishonim Zalman Chaim Halmerstam. And he gave him an answer. Okay. So he, now, this Rishonim Zalman had connections with everyone. Um... And the reason was, is people wanted to make use of his library. They would ask him questions based on what he had in his library, and he would share with them. But he didn't only just have a library. He published manuscripts in his library himself, and sometimes he helped people who published it. And such an example is the Ritva Nida and the Sefer Zikaran. Numerous other works, and someone would see them, would be from this farm that he published. Just to mention, he published the work of the Ibn Ezra from manuscript, Rishayim on Yishayo. A, a, an incredible work called Sefer Yitzira from Rabbi Yehuda Barcelona. Now, it's not a Kabbalistic Sefer. It's a completely different type of Sefer, but it's a Mishunadika interesting Sefer from a Rishon, early Rishon. Massive, few hundred pages. He published it um, with a whole history about it. And later on, which we'll get back to this, Rabbi Yaakov Shor, one of the Gedele Galicia, writes, unbelievable how incredible that he published the Sefer, how the Hashivas of the Sefer, and there's a lot of fascinating things about it. It's worthy of its own episode, at least. So we're not going to do that now. But he publishes that, and he publishes others, and he publishes articles, dozens of articles. Now, I said he was a Svarim collector. It seems he was a crazy Svarim collector, even at a young age. Um, who The first person who wrote about him as an article was Bechayev, was Ramesha Rhinus, in, uh, in a Sefer called... Um, and a sefer that he wrote about various people called Dar V'chachamav, which I was able to publish, uh, republish it a few years ago with when I collected all uh, many of the writings of Moshe Rinas. So he was in contact with this Rav Shlomo Zalman, and he gave him um, his, his his life history and what he published, and he publishes it, listing out all the svarim in the in the sefer. And he says, for example. When he was a kid, they couldn't get him to take his medicine. What did they do? They bribed him with a new safer. He was already at a young age collecting svar. This library was considered machine because not only did it have a lot of svar, it had a lot of manuscripts. And he was very helpful. And there's a long list of who he helped. Okay, fine. Now, um, so he's one such person. And we're going to get more about this person in a moment. So he's one such person, collector, publishing the work, publishing some works, and helping people further. But that's not enough. <coughs> That's not you mentioned enough. in the past. You mentioned in the past your involvement with Ramosha. Remind us again, wasn't he the son of who died young? Yeah, okay. So basically is, and because it's going to play out today also a little bit, is there was a Yid, Rav Moshe Rhinus. He was the son of Rav Rhinus, the famous Rav Rhinus. Um, 
one of the big leaders in the Mizrahi world, but he was a Valazhiner, a friend of the Nativ, one of the Gedolim of Lita before the Mizrahi movement even was founded, and a prominent Rav, the tremendous Mechaber Asfarim. So he had a son named Maisha Rhinus. Maisha Rhinus tragically died at 20. Um, anyway, it seems that he was a prolific writer. I came across some articles of his that he wrote, and I sparked my curiosity, my interest into looking into this Maisha Rhinus, and I reached out. I have connections with the fa- uh, friends with a with a fa- with family members of this of Rhinus um, to help sponsor it maybe a little bit. And we we're going to put out a small little booklet of Rhinus's material. I told him, I just give me a few days. I want to do some research. If maybe Rhinus has a more material, I end up covering and finding out um, if, if this is the size of the work. It's over 700 pages. I covered dozens of articles written by this from the age of 14, 15. He's writing in all the top publications, excellent articles on a wide ranging of subjects. One of the things that he does is relating to what we're going to be talking about is he spoke about some of these important people, so to speak. Is that safer you just showed available for purchase if someone wants to be in touch with you? Definitely, definitely. So I'm more than welcome to buy it. It's called Mifchar Ksavim Rav Moshe Reines. And so, so Lamashal, he has an essay where he would reach out to these people and b'chai, while they were alive, and he gathered information. So one person that we're talking about is this Rav Shlem Azalman. But the next person, doesn't. it's not one person, it's not enough. There's another person. That person is Rav Avram Elio Arkavi. Who's Rav Avram Elio Arkavi? So he's born in 1835. He dies in 1919. Okay. Now, who is he? He's a Yid, comes from a hush of a family. His father was in Yerushalayim, even. Um, a hush of a, a Tamachacham. I, I believe he was also um, maybe even a Magachir somewhere in Yerushalayim. Anyway, he learned we're in the great yeshiva of Elijah. By who? By the Nativ. Okay. Now. To just show an interesting idea where he where he where he says straight up that he learned in Velazhin, is there's a safer, the first safer that was ever written about Chaim Velazhin is called Toldus Rabbeinu Chaim Velazhin from a Chash of Yid, Ramesha Shmuel Shmukler. So this Shmukler, this Rav Shmukler, he wrote a letter to Arkavi to get Haaris about a safer. Arkavi writes, I also was a Talmud from Yeshiva Zaytzachayim when I was young, and I was able to learn by the Nativ. He says straight out that he learned by the Nativ. Anyway, he learned in Velazhin. Eventually, he goes to university. And he remains from Erlich Hayid um, um, his whole life. And he was connected with, and he kept up a Kesha with all different people. He he was in Russia, in Petersburg, and he had connection, all types of connections. And he helped tremendously. He had a tremendous Kesha with none other than the Nitziv. Now, on two fronts, he had this connection. One is that he helped the Velazhin Yeshiva a lot. And um, the Nitziv would, would write to him to have him help. But he also was an expert in most, in most importantly, Ga'inim. He discovered major works of Ga'inim. One such work that he published was a work called Chuvas HaGa'inim, and, and it usually we'll see in parentheses, it says Harkavi. Lamashal, Rabchaim Kanievsky, in his list of his library, we find that the Sefer Pramli is there, and he uses it all the time. He's in his Kiryat Melech and other places, Chuvas HaGa'inim Harkavi. This is one of the most important, earliest works of, a, of an important collection of Ga'inim collected, including Chuvus Arif. He Hakavi wrote a beautiful introduction where he discusses the um, significance of this of, of the Hashivas of this work. All different things are discussed in this interesting introduction, but it's very important in the world of Ga'inim. And this Hakavi, not only did he publish one Sefer, he published many Svarim. He also was a Yid that was very helpful. People would always write into him. He was very helpful, answering questions of all types. He had tremendous Yedda in, in all areas uh, relating to everything over here. 
these two figures, Halberstam and Harkavi, where were they located? So, oh, we're in which, what do you mean we're? So I said, Harkavi's active most of his time. He's in St. Petersburg. Um, Halberstam, I, I forget where he was, where he was mostly based. I forget exactly where he was, but it's, um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you, if I'm you, sure the audience could send in. I could, check, I, could check, I could check easily in the essay, in the essay that uh, Rhinus published. It, it says exactly where he, where he was and everything, but I'm not. Um, I'm, and and, there, and his connection, I'm sure, to to the Halberstam. Right. The, yes, he's uh, also connected uh, somehow to the Halberstam family. Yes, it says there also. Anyway, so so um, Lamashal Rhinus in the same book he also writes all about Harkavi and the Hashivas and all the public. He wrote hundreds of articles and all different things and, and manuscripts that he published. Okay, so he's not a, a yid in this long line of people that are instrumental in helping Rishonim and Ga'inim getting out there. Now he actually helps the Natsiv, um, um, and the Natsiv in these in these le- has these beautiful letters that have been published in the Sefer. There's a set of Svarim. Uh, returning to manuscripts for a second, called Shnei Star Vidar by the from the Deslers, uh, the, the Deslers in Cleveland, and this is based on the collection that Dessler collected all the years. So he eventually he publishes them in a beautiful volume, Shnei Star Vidar. It's already up to six volumes. So one volume, the first volume already, he has a bunch of letters of the Natsiv and Harkavi back and forth, and there were letters in learning, and there's a, a whole episode could be given just to see the galus of the Natsiv, different things that come out from these letters. Of course, these letters are published in, in later collections. They're also censored, because there's a Kaseder Minig, I guess, to censor lots with the Natsiv. But anyway, in, in the in the uh, Dessler version, they're not censored. And you see the Natsiv asking assistance to help Valajan because the government was always constantly making problems for it, but also letters and learning and even relating to stuff in Gaidim. He says, I'm reading your stuff, send me this, that, all different things. Um, due to lack of time, I'm not going to go into all different things. So these are two, but the point is, these are two people that they are um, involved with Rishayim. They're helping people. They themselves are publishing. They're publishing articles and manuscripts, and they are publishing whole works. Okay, but why am I picking these two people? Because of the continuation of the story. It's not enough to have an individual here, an individual here. Yes, Rome was not built in one day. We know that, but it's not enough to have individuals. You need to have something more. So, so obviously, there is different... Today, Marshall, you go over to someone, you say, who publishes uh, man- Rishayin from manuscripts? I'll tell you, ah, there's a Mechon, Meister of Cook, there's a Mechon Yerushalayim, there's a Havad Shalom. They'll tell you all these things. But we- where did this all start? So one of the places that this started, interestingly enough, was a Mechon called Mekitze Nirdamim. Basically, wake up and publish these stuff. So what happened? What's the story of this Mechon? Of this, um, I guess, we'll, we'll use the word Mechon for lack of a better word right now. Anyway, in the 1860s, the idea came was came up earlier. A lot has been written about it, but not fully um, in various booklets that came out um, by the Mekitsin Dam have published with essays about it that were speeches given at different points in time um, about, about what they did, what their goals were. And the main goal was set out in the early 1860s was we have to make an organized an organized group of people to publish the manuscripts that are out there that have not been published Iker of Rishayim. How do they do it? They were going to create a whole thing which was you paid membership and if you gave X amount you got to each book and we're going to try to put out X amount of Svarim per year. They had hush of people involved with it in all different aspects 
and more interesting people were also involved. The interesting slash, um, um, we'll use just the word masculine, even though it's a broad term, but also other people were involved. Who and who signed up with it? All different people from all over Europe, including. Gedalim, let's say the Stechemet, we find him, Remart Gimpel Yafi, Rebchaim Berlin, the Litziv, these are all people that subscribe, they would pay membership, and then they would be guaranteed to get the publications of Mikitz and Redamim. Um, okay, now I'm just going to mention, just to understand what we're talking about, when it first began, so one of the first works they printed is a safer called Malmud HaTalmidim from Yaakov Antuli. Um, so this work comes out, and uh, comes out in 1866. So when you open up the volume, you'll see that it says in, who's involved, Moses Montefiore, Shadal, interesting character, Avram Akoyin, Ramatisio Strachon, Eliezer Lipman Zilberman, and Eliezer Levy. Okay. And this is one of the first books that they publish. Now, so you'll be getting very nervous. You see people, they might be questionable. But then all of a sudden you turn the next page. Who gives the Haskama? The Haskama is none other than the great Rav Shleim And Rav says, this manuscript was brought to me and I gave them this Mechol Mekitzin permission to print it. I said, it's great. I, now, so first we see is like this. Where did this come from? It comes from none other than the library of the great Rebbe Ephraim Zalman Margolis. He had this Ksavyad. Says Rebbe Shlomo Kluger, he checks this Ksavyad. He, he's saying it's authentic. How do we know it's authentic? Says Rebbe Shlomo Kluger, in this letter, he compares it to other quotes where this Sefer HaMalmud is quoted by, let's say, he says, the Kolboi, the Menari Samar, and the Draham, and they're here. So we know it's real. So there's no question of a forgery. So basically, that Rav Shlomo is giving a thing, but he says, I went through the whole Sefer. And in the Hagdama, they mentioned more, how he sat and went through it, and the son of Rav Ephraim Zalman gave it, they sold it to them, and then they publish it. They checked it with other manuscripts, and here is one of the first Svarim that comes out from Akitz Nedamim, is from the library of Rav Ephraim Zalman with the Haskama of none other than a pretty Kanoyistika Galicianer Gadol Rav Shlomo Kluger. So here you see Jews from all over working you have, um, um, together, and that's what it was. It was all over Europe, people from Galicia, people from Lita, people from Russia, try, um, from Paris, all trying to reach together to join forces. Now, what did they do? Back to those newspapers. They would advertise in the newspapers, sign up for Mikitsin Erdamim. If you get it, you're going to get the safe. Okay, and that's what they would do. And they ended up publishing not one safer, but close to 150 manuscripts of Rishayim. And I'm not, I'm not going to go through a complete list of everything, but the areas that they publish is literally, I would say, in all, um, in all different areas. Um, no jokes are covered. Midrashi Chazal from manuscript. Chiburim relating to the Rambam. Rishayim. Um, are all covered with, with over the years, and they still exist at Hayyim. Every year or two, another work comes out. I'm just going to list, just so you can understand what we're talking about. Igeris Arambam, an edition comes out. Arches Chaim from Aaron Akayim Melino comes out. Eshkol through them. Some volumes of the Meiri, Chiburim of the Radak. Materials of the Gainim, such as the Sefer Hilchus Gedailus, Hilchus Psukais comes out from them. Other stuff from Harkavi, Sefer Hasidim, not the famous Sefer Hasidim that everyone has, is another one that has much more material, comes out through them. Um, I'm not going to go through everything, just to mention uh, there's a Medrash Beishis Rabasi, Medrash Hagadol starts through them, the Mavitus, the, the Sefer Ravya, Mechilta the Rabshim Bayechai, Machser Vitri, all these Svarim, and many more come out through this Mechon. And this is for sure one of the one of the main addresses of a Mechon that starts in the 1860s. It still exists today. We're talking what year are we in? Right now it's 2023. 
they still exist. There were some kufas that they were slow slowed down, but they put they've been publishing stuff. Now some of the stuff is not necessarily as um, you know for the ilim ha, um, um, the standard regular person or even in the yeshiva world. But many of the farm that they publish through the years are used, and people don't realize it came from Mikiti Nirdamim. These people. Now there are other. Um, people that get involved with them. It's not just that we have Rabbi Shlomo Kluger endorsing their first book. We have Lamashal, this great Galatiana Gadol, Reb um, Yaakov Shor. So he prints a Sefer Itim with millions of Aris in Krakow, 1903. Talmud Muvik of Rabbi Shlomo um, the Shailam Eshev. Who does he publish it? With the help and under Mekitei Nerdamim. Again, where did it come from? The manuscripts from this Rabbi Halberstam's collection. He helped him also. Um, okay, now, there's Obviously, a lot of people involved with this, and there's a lot of stories, there's hundreds of stories, actually, because all the Sfarim have their own individual stories, and the impact, we're not going to go into that. But, just to mention, who else gets involved? So first, this Harkavi gets involved with it. He's a very important person, the 1880s. He's, in, he's, in, he's invited into the board to decide which Sfarim, to work on it, to look at it, to check it over. Then they bring in at one point Rav Ram Berliner from the Berlin Seminary, also a tremendous person. He did tremendous work in all, to, to, so many different areas, putting out Svarim, hundreds of articles. He gets involved. He helps move this Mahon more to publishing more manuscripts. He puts out, just to mention, Rashi al What does it mean, Rashi al from hundreds of From dozens of Kisfeyad with showing, you know, at Ayayim, we always work on when you're learning a Rashi, what's the Makar for Rashi? Is it a Medrash is Rashi saying his own Chiddush? So he was one of the first people that did incredible work on this based on manuscripts. And it's endless. This wasn't planned, but you mentioned Rashi, the source of Rashi. You could tell me if I'm wrong. I haven't seen anyone do a better job today than this art scroll set over here. This is the pocket size. They do a phenomenal job Sourcing the Rashi. What do you say? So that there, I, I definitely, I definitely cannot disagree. But one of their, I guess, starting points of people that that did this is this Avram Berliner in his edition, and then there's a bunch of other people. Everyone goes on the next, and then when they have, when you have this, then yes, today we're able to do it. So yeah, they they're able to get very far into understanding where the Makayos of Rashi, and still, and there's still a lot of work that needs to be done that's being done. But yeah, I, I'm definitely not going to tell you that that what you're saying is um, off the beaten, you know, whatever. I hear let's where you're go, coming let's from. Hear, let's hear from the audience. Which Chumash out there? With Rashi. The, we're we're focusing on Rashi specifically. Now, which Chumash works, out there has the best sources for Rashi? Right, correct, yes. So he also he also works on the Targum. And okay, now, and there's a long list. Again, if one wants to find an essay with a lot of information about him, in the same book with, that I published with Revelation Rhinus, it's over there. This is not a ploy to get you to buy the book. I'm just mentioning this. Okay, now, the last person I would like to mention in relating to all this um, with Mekitzin Adam is a Yid Rabbi Shlomo Buber. Shlomo Buber is born in 1827. He dies in 1907. We spoke a little bit about him because the whole story with Rechaim Knievsky. We'll get back to him probably eventually a little bit. But the point is, what does he do, this Buber? He's a rich businessman, Galitzianer. And he publishes also Rishayinim and Midrashi Chazal. He publishes... Um, many of the times, the, the list I'm going to give very, very briefly, some of these things were the first time they're published by him. Psikta de Rav Kahana, Lekach Toiv from Rav Tovia ben Elazar, Lekutami Medjish Avchir, Medjish Tanchuma HaKadum ben Ayashem, Lekach Toiv, Shibali HaLeket, the Agur, Medjish Tilim, Medjish Mishle, Medjish Shmuel, and many others, Agad Spiratius, and other Rishayim, Agad Agad Spiratius, 
on Megillus, all different things he publishes. And it's incredible. In standard-based medrash today, has been reprinting most of his medrashim. They're available. Beforehand, they were from available. Vakshal used to publish them. They were originally, a lot of these volumes were published by none other than Mekitsi Nerdamim. Sometimes he funded them because he was publishing before Mekitsi Nerdamim came around. But again, we have a rich collector. He was a rich collector. who was a tremendous Tamachacham. was Mamish Kaveitim to learn. He had Kisharim with many different G'daylam. And he's publishing this stuff. So when you have all these people, and there's many more, slowly, slowly, you see how Rome gets built. And that's why today, when you go into your library and you see, oh, we have so many Rishayim and so many things, the way it worked, this is how it was. Through a bunch of different Yechidim, eventually some of them join up and they form different Mechons. Okay. So Ad Khan, with the, um, um, the let's say, Mechon Mekitzin Damim, but is there any other people? So I'm not going to I, I myself didn't even bother to figure out how many other Mahones are there or people or, you know, groups of people. But there's one person that recently um, information came to um, light. I would like to share about that. And we'll conclude with getting this back to Rabbi Chaim Kanievsky right now. And that is like this. And that is the Gera Rebbe, Rabbi Avram Martha Alter, son of the Sfas Emes, known as the Emes. Very famous Rebbe of Gera. And it's famous that he was a Svarim collector. Interestingly enough, before he was Rebbe, I recently came across a small book that was written about him from Benjamin Mintz. The Rebbetzin used to sell her jewelry so he could fund his collection. Okay. Now, when you hear that a Rebbe has a collection, so you might think, based on different stories, you know, okay, so he had a Svarim collection. How many Svarim could he have today, um, in those days? And the answer is that um, in recent years, um, this library, it's become... um, a few years ago, a book came out. It's always the story; always begins with a book, and the story comes. There's a. It's called Oil Rain. Rishimas Kisve Yad Baitzar Svarim Shal Bavram Martcha Alter Admer Migur. Who put it out? Moshe Halel, the youngest son of Rabbi Yaakov Halel. This this son of Rabbi Yaakov Halel is recently in recent in the past five years about has become very famous, prolific, beyond belief. Published many different Svarim incredible yeda this person has and one of the books is he puts out a full-fledged f- fancy book close to 600 pages about the Ger Rebbe's Kisviyan that he had in his library they were lost, they were lost in the Holocaust most of them but what happened is the Ger Rebbe had a list and it seems he was in the business of selling um, the antiques at a certain point in time, it seems maybe doubles and whatever the story behind that is but what comes out, he explores the collection and the and the collecting of the Gerebbe, how he built up this massive collection. Not a collection of a few hundred Svarim, and he looked at them, he liked them, he knew them. He was a world expert on Svarim. Svarim manuscripts, rear Svarim, and he had hundreds of manuscripts. Manuscripts of Rishonim, manuscripts of Achreinim, on all topics, Kabbalah, Diktuk, even Shaptaut Svarim he had, that we threw that out there for to, to add for Nachi's Svarim chatter. People got upset. Should he write that about this in this book? But he threw it in anyway. The Ger Rebbe has seen this book, read it. Um, both Ger, both groups of Ger have gone through this book. But anyway, what's the chashivas of this book? A lot of things, which we're, again, we're not going to devote five episodes to that right now. But we see from here that the Ger Rebbe was a tremendous farm collector. But he wasn't just a Oyev Svarim. He liked to have Svarim. He learned them, he knew them, but he was consulted and he would encourage people to publish. And he held people that he found that were publishing Svarim. He gave them stuff from his collection to help them publish. He lists this all out. He talks about this in his book. He has, he did incredible research about it. One of the things we've been discussing, the Miri, 
the Gareb was obsessed with the Miri. He got a hold, he sent someone to make a copy of the Xaviat of the Miri also, and he had it, and he lent it out. And some of the Miris that came out, we've already mentioned briefly, came from this library of who? Of the Gareb. The Marshall, um, um, certain Rishayim we've mentioned, we've discussed where this Al Melton the Ramban, and one of the places the Ramban says, where this come from? The Gareb sent this in. And in here we find about other Rishayim that who, that who owned it? The Gerarabba Rishayim. Okay, so he had these farm, but what does that help our story? The answer is, it's not just enough that you have Mechon Mekitz in your dumb. It's not enough. There's plenty of farm that need to come out. It's not enough to have Meister of Kuk and Mechon Yishalayim. There should be many more. Gvirim should fund all the hundreds and thousands of manuscripts that we have. Sai Rishayim, Sai Although a lot has been done, there's still a lot. We have a long way to go. But, what happens over here is when you open up this book, you see that he also started a machon called Daivave Sifse Yishanim in 1905, which the goal was to publish Svarim. And they put out a Kalkaira, similar to the way Mikitsinir Damim, which I didn't show at the time. Here, let me show a copy of um, how the, the Kalkaira that they sent out, they would put it up as advertisement. Here, you can see how it looks. This is how the Kalkaira looks, a full-page ad in the newspaper, and was published a bunch of times. So here we have in this book from Moshe Hillel, a full-page ad, um, two-page ad, where the, they write, similar type of thing, we're going to publish a bunch of Svarim, Rishayinim, Gainim, all different things, Achrayinim, and all different areas they publish. We have something from Rusadi Gain, we have a Taisis Rabbein Elchanan, we're going to publish the Ra'ah, the Rivash HaChadashis, and more stuff. Similar, we have plans of doing other chiburim. Membership, the same idea as Mekitzim Nadamim. They do publish a few things. Who's in charge of this? Who's helping this? The Ger Rebbe. This is before he becomes the Rebbe, the Ger Rebbe. Anyway, so this is well documented by this Ramesh Halel. He talks all about this, um, a few a few pages he devotes to this whole story. And at, at the same time, interestingly enough, as the Ger Rebbe is doing this um, and others, there's also in Egypt, there was a, a, a Yid, who put out a book called um, Taiv Mitzrayim, Rufal Aaron Ben Akai, and he put out a bunch of Svarim, also very into Svarim, and he also, they, the, there was also other manuscripts, and they I think eventually they wanted to join forces with the Ger, but that's beyond the scope. But the point is, there was a bunch of different entities of people that were trying to now publish the manuscripts, setting up Mechons. Eventually, eventually, we this turns into, between me and you, this is what happens. It comes to Mechon Yishalayim, and Meisir of Cook, and the Havet Shalom and other such companies, there are a, a bunch. Sometimes the company could only end up putting out one volume, but sometimes they end up publishing many volumes. Okay, so Adkan, this. Now, how do we get to, this is, again, this is helping us get to the origins of how Svarim getting out there. But now let's go, um, go one more step and to get back to Rechan Kanyeski, and this is how we'll conclude. And that's a story like this. Up till now, I was focusing on strictly Rishonim on Shas and Rishonim on Halacha. But we know Tyra is big. So we mentioned briefly, came up a few times, this Midrashim, Midrashi Halacha, Midrashi Agada. All this also, when does this happen? We're not going to sit and document all the whole story of that. A few of the things will come up more later on in different episodes. But basically, this also happens during at this point. Mekitzner Dam is also involved with this. And Rishayim on Chumash also. Many manuscripts are published for the first time in these tkufas. Again, who embraces all this? Rabbi Chaim Kanievsky. I'm just to give one example. There's a Hebrew called Brysa de Mazolis, and there's another Hebrew called Brysa de Shmuel. These are Brysas that deal with 
mazalos and and people that are Isaac in these topics um, go through them. When was the first time this Bryce of the Shmuel was published from manuscript? It wasn't published. It's it's mysterious where it comes from, but in 1861 is the first time it comes published. It's authentic by, um, it seems, from the, the experts of today, the experts in understanding Lashinus and stuff that they've discovered, or manuscripts, it's authentic, not a forgery of any sort. And basically, Reb Chaim Kanievsky goes ahead. The Sfarim are written, being Mefarish, one such yid was Reb Ari Leib Lipkin, a nephew, of, a nephew in Talmud of Reb Yisrael Salanter, a big expert in astronomy and Zmanim, wrote stuff about it. Yishurin devoted a bunch of pages to him in an earlier volume, and stuff of his came out from manuscript in recent years. Um, he also wrote a beautiful Chibar and Shirim, and he was a, a tremendous Talmud Chacham, and an expert in Tabala and all different things. Now, so he wrote Ion de Kachibur on this Brice of the Shmuel. Comes along, Myrena Rebchaim Kanievsky. He writes about this Brisa, the Brisa Mazalis. He also writes, these are new discoveries. He writes Perushim on some of them. And then, more than that, back to the Sefer, which we began season one, Kiryat Melech on the Rambam, he uses as a Makar for the Rambam this Brisa the Shmuel. So he's using these materials where I'm, the dating is in the 1860s. So the Brisa Mazalis is printed from by Revertheimer. We're going to discuss a little bit more about that later on. Rebchaim Kanievsky writes a, a parish about it. Uh, um, these are manuscripts of Midrashim. Okay. Now, but the story goes further. Many Midrashim come out, many Svarim, um, and we will discuss about them, and in, in, we'll get to them soon enough. But to conclude, is as false. Rebchaim Kanievsky goes even further. Not only does he write a parish on Midrashim, he also publishes himself a parish on Chumash al That story... Um, I don't know the exact story. It seems that the uh, Rav Klugman was very fascinated by Svarim, especially Svarim of Rishayim that related to Gematrius and stuff like that. He somehow found out about this, uh, that the Rikeach has such a chibor. He got a hold of copies from the library. He went to the stipler and he asked him, Eitzah, who should you? who do you think should work on the Ha'aris? Turns out, Rechaim Kanievsky writes the Ha'aris, at least for the for Rikeach. Eventually, it's reissued. There's a lot to discuss about uh, about it. He ends up helping him with other volumes that he publishes. This Rav Kugman, um, he publishes um, uh, Rabbeinu Afrayim, which has become very famous for other reasons, and some other svarim. And Rukhain Kanevsky is one of the people that went through the Kisavyad, helps publish it, writes hundreds of hours on the Sefer, and throughout his svarim quotes the Rekev. So here we see him going, doing what the Mekitzir Dom does at a Saif. He, not only does he use it, he publishes a manuscript. Some brought him the manuscript. He publishes it with the Aris. Okay, so it's not like the Archas Chaim that we spoke about in one of the early episodes, which is a Rishon, he writes Aris about it. That was a Hebrew that existed for a few hundred years. Here is, Klugman brings him the manuscript and he writes Aris. Okay, now, just to mention one last Aris with this, this is to the scoop that we mentioned all the way in the beginning, this ties to this. There was interesting Yid, and as everyone knows, always, you grow up hearing Yerushalayim is full of interesting Yidin. It was a Yid, Rav Shmuel Himener. My introduction to this Rav Shmuel Himener was um, that he wrote, um, a, a supposed to be an excellent Chibor on Pirish Amilus of Davening, called Eilus Tamid. Perhaps his name is Rav Shmuel Hamener. Many people pronounce it that way. We it's can have positive. the audience let us know. Eliezer loves when we correct. Corre- yes, exactly. I can't. I can't say that I could. I'm done pronouncing it correctly. Anyway, the point is. So there's this Yid. And he writes the Sefer Eilus Tamid. Who mentioned? Who got me the Sefer Eilus Tamid? I quoted in the episode of Hanukkah. My special Rebbe from fifth grade, Rabbi Berlovsky, Yaakov Kapel Halevi Berlovsky in Yeshiva Chaim Berlin. He gave me the Sefer. So I always had a chibur to interesting about this person. 
Turns out he's very prolific. And a few years ago, I come across a safer they took, printed from, he was a big Oivir Hashem, and he printed a whole bunch of Chiburim, and they printed, based on his notebooks, Rashim Reis, from his, um, his notes and his Ksavim, called Me Pink Kasav Shall Evet HaMelech. He wrote a Chibur called Evet HaMelech on the Mitzvah, on the Chumash, and this is how it is. I open it up, and I see an interesting passage, and that's what I'm going to share with you in a moment. Living in Eretz Yisrael, and I'm sure if people to, um, go, come to Eretz Yisrael or learn Eretz Yisrael, you you imagine come across that on Chalamoid, Sukkot and Pesach, there's something known as Birchus Kaihana Metakaisel, and thousands and thousands of people come. I was always curious, where in the world does this thing come from? Is it a real thing? Is it a fake thing? I mean, it's nice. Birchus Kaihana is an amazing thing. As my Rav is very fond of saying, it's one of the many reasons why one should make Aliyah. If you're Ashkenazi Jew, you get the you get Yimkayim Duchening every day in Eretz Yisrael when you get blessed by the Kayanim. Okay. So the question is, where did this happen? How did this minig happen? Is it an old minig? Okay. Anyway, I start reading this book from Rav Shmuel and um, about it from his notebook, and it starts describing how he had a tremendous chiba for different types of mitzvahs after, especially when they got back the kaisel in the old city. One of the things was he wanted to do a massive birchas kaihanim. Okay, that everyone should get, and it's a special mitzvah, and we're zeicher to do it. And he had an idea that they should go to the Kaisel and they should do um, a massive Berchus Kayanim. And he went to someone else, another person, another Adam Gadol. And okay, it sounds like a good idea. But this Adam Gadol said to him, in order to get people to do it, you have to have a good Makar. It's not going to work if you don't have a good Makar. Especially if you have an early Makar, it will help. So today we know when you read signs up, people just make up Makaris. Or they'll take a Makar from a safer that no one ever heard of and they'll make it up. And sometimes you even get a Photoshop. Thing of some school of something, but they this year was Ernst the Yid, he wanted to have a good Makar for it. Anyway, turns out at the same time they were working on the Rekeach, the manuscript in Parishes Tetzava, they came across a passage that says like this Mashiach would come if 300 Kaihanim would be at Harazesim. He immediately lets him know about this piece in the manuscript. It's in Parshat Tetzava, page Kufnun Vav, and says, "Here we have it." The Rekeach says that if you do this, it's um, 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 unbelievable. Mashiach's going to come. Okay, now they said Lamais, it's not practical to have it from to do it out of Saif and Harazesim, problematic. Everything consult the Gedolim, and bottom line is, they started to do it at the Kaisel. Now, they didn't first do it at Chalamai. They did it one time and it was successful. It seems the first time they did it was on Yom Gimel of Kislev, Tafshin Lam, and Aleph, and thousands of people came. They did it on Hanukkah. They did it a few other times. This Rav Shmuel writes all about it, how it's amazing. Um, um, basically, uh, through this, we um, at one point, he has a few letters in this book about it. And eventually, it switches to Chalamai. Okay, now, so so the point was, is that where it comes from, is this Rekeach that Rav Chaim Knievsky was working on, Rav Klugman, when he found out about it, obviously was also very happy, in this Sefer Yevil that they put out, the Sefer Azikar, they put out for Rav Klugman, they say one of his things was, he was very into these types of things, they actually print a picture of one of the, the Kalkairs that went up in one of the early times to do, go do the Dachanin, so you see here, usage of the manuscript, to go. Now, it turns out it's not only the Rekech, there's also other early Rishayim. We mentioned the Sefer Hasidim. There's a, there's a passage of the Sefer Hasidim that was published from manuscript from Kids in Adam that also says it. There's other stories, other sources about this Harazesim. 
not for now. That's a tangent, a tangent, a tangent, which we're not going. But bottom line is to be Messiah in this episode is that we see what happened. It was through individuals. Individuals reached to Mahones um, um, through different interesting people. We'll use that word. Then we'll say that it gets the guy Reb is also involved with it. Svardim um, also get involved with it till we get back to Rukhain Kanievsky using these materials again, once again, and including not only using it, but actively writing a parish on a, a, such a medrash coming out from this, and a parish al writing to Aris and, and working on transcribing it and leading to our concluding story, this cute story of the origins of Birch's Kaihanim at the Kaisel. Beautiful. Fascinating. Fascinating. If there's any grandchildren, children, family members of the Klugmans who are listening, please. Feel free to be in touch with us to give us more of the details. I personally know some of them. And this is an amazing scoop on the Birchas Kayanim at the Kaisel. Thank you very, very much. Once again, we're looking forward to episodes on Mesachas Nazir, on Hataras Dedarim slash Kal Nidre. And please be in touch. This is a great opportunity to sponsor this incredible work. Thank you very much and have a wonderful day.